Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Time to review a week gone by. Another one in the bucket. A little bit closer. We creep along in this NBA season, which is now over halfway done. Just past the halfway mark, which I realize feels kind of nuts because I simultaneously feel like we should be farther along. And also, I feel like we've barely gotten started because of how many games players have missed, key players. Luckily, it balances out right in the middle. It's Friday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I'll take you through the weekend. You guys know what we do on most Fridays. We're going to do it on this one, too. It's a weekend review. The best ads, most important drops, streamers, watch lists. I've got a couple new categories that I might separate them out just to make my thoughts a little cleaner. I call it the don't bother category and the tough holds category. Because I had a hold in there. I was like, well, like some of these guys didn't really belong. And I, and I hope that the fact that I have these categories allows me to eliminate certain players that didn't need to be talked about and get other guys in that did need to be talked about. We also have uh, news dropping from uh, earlier this morning. In addition to the typical uh, injury stuff, which has generally been pretty good. Uh, Rudy Gobert has cleared protocols. So those of you with a bunch of Rudys, <clears throat> Rudy Gobert guy, He's coming back. Uh, Bam Adebayo is expecting to come back on Monday. That's pretty sweet. Jalen Suggs, not that that matters all that much, but uh, he's expected to be back. If you're in a points league, that's a guy you could grab real quick right now. Not category league. Uh, Steph Curry is playing in the back-to-back, so he's not getting a rest day. There was thought that he might take a day off. And uh, the not great but not awful news is that Alex Caruso is targeting middle of next week to come back. So you got a little bit more time on him, which is good because he's actually in uh, in one of our categories that we'll be breaking down here. And then on the trade front, we're starting to hear rumblings and lots of them on the Sacramento Kings. I want to start today's podcast by talking a bit actually about the Sacramento Kings because I think a lot of folks looking towards the trade deadline have been laser-focused on the teams at the far bottom of the NBA standings, which is normal. A team like the Magic, 7-35, and 35, if they have a veteran. Terrence Ross is a veteran. Technically, I guess Mo Bamba is sort of a veteran. He's been, we've heard he's on the block. Pistons, Jeremy Grant, Kelly Olynyk, The Pacers, we've heard rumors that they're about to do some kind of sell-off. Funny thing is that the Hawks are 17-23. and 23. They're way down there. Awful season for Atlanta, but they're not a team going into a rebuild despite the Cam Reddish trade. That's not what that was about. That's more contractual stuff. We've thought and probably talked at times about the Pacers, the Pistons, the Magic, and the Eastern Conference. Out of the West, we talked about the Rockets. They're 12 and 31. You know they're trying to shop Eric Gordon, probably the recently signed Daniel Tice. I think we're past the. Or are we right about to get to the date where he could be traded? I forget what the exact. The Thunder, we know they're tanking. There are obvious ones, and I don't really know what the Spurs are. They're only a game out of the play-in spot. Thunder are only two games out of the second play-in, or the fourth, I guess we should say, play-in hole, the 10 seed. 
There's your easy way to describe it. But I don't think, you know, the Thunder are not trying to make waves. They've got all these picks. They want them to be super high. Spurs, they're kind of in between. Pelicans, I think, are trying to win. They're a little bit in between. We haven't talked a ton about the Pels because I don't think they want to blow things up. They haven't. They don't even know what they're going to be because Zion hasn't played. But when we've been talking about the point of all it is, not to go through each team one by one and just decide whether or not we've talked about them, but really to point out that it's the teams with basically 15 wins or under right now, minus maybe the Spurs, where we've been like, okay, these are the teams we need to look at going up to the trade deadline. So what do you do with uh, the Rockets, for instance? What if they move Tice? What if they move Eric Gordon? Does somebody move into a valuation spot? What about the Thunder? You got to think Derek Favors is someone who's on the block. Mike Muscala, they don't really have any veterans on that team, but we, and with the Rockets, we talked about Alper and Shengun as a possible hold. With the Thunder, you talk about Josh Giddy, but that didn't really wasn't really trade deadline dependent. For the Magic, there wasn't really a guy that steps up. The Pistons, we've been able to see it anyway, and then the Pacers is one that we've certainly talked about, where it's like, well, look, if Miles Turner goes, does everybody move up a slot? What happens? Does TJ Warren ever work his way back? These are the things we've kicked around and kind of come to the conclusion that Alperin Shengun is kind of the only trade deadline stash so far this year. Until a couple days ago, when our very own Aaron Bruski put it out there that the Kings aren't just shopping Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes, who's been, each, Heald's been getting shopped for feels like half a decade now, and Barnes basically last season and then this season, but that they're shopping pretty much everybody. Which, to me, says there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity because Sacramento has a number of players that would step into huge roles if those guys were gone. The first thought that should pop into your head is, who comes back? If Buddy Heald gets traded, who comes back? Probably expiring money and picks. If Harrison Barnes gets traded, who's come who's coming back? Probably expiring money and picks. If the Kings are really going to turn into the trade away there and Heald's I say Heald is a veteran, but he came into the league old. So these are like semi-old guys for this team. They're not looking to bring back dudes that are going to play a bunch of minutes. But who are the Kings really? Are they going to try to inch their way into the playoffs? Might they get there almost by accident? By blowing things up, it's conceivable they're a half game behind the Trailblazers for that 10 seed. So if it happens, it might happen almost by accident. But the reports that are surfacing are that Darren Fox is in the mix, possibly for in a Ben Simmons-related deal. Does Simmons end up in Sacramento? That would certainly shake things up. A, a guy who doesn't really want to shoot but does have the ball in his hand pretty often. Does Rashawn Holmes get moved? Does Marvin Bagley get moved? Does Buddy Heald get moved? Does Harrison Barnes get moved? We can't, you can't stash everyone, which is one of my pet peeves in fantasy, which is Annis was like, oh, you just stashed four guys. Like, yeah, I don't have four roster slots to stash Sacramento Kings. But we've seen already who steps into minutes and shots when these guys are out. And it's three names, basically. The three names are Shemezi Metu, who's probably the easiest choice on the board among those guys. He's averaging about 23 minutes a game, a little bit less than that, and he's just inside the top 150. Give that dude a starter's role and give him a little bump in usage as a result of 
key guys. Look, uh, the guys that I mentioned, De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, those guys are the three top shooters on the team in terms of shot volume, ahead of Tyrese Halliburton, who's been far and away the team's best fantasy player so far this year. De'Aaron Fox, 17-plus shots a game. Heald, 13. Barnes, just a little over 11. Tyrese Halliburton, also a little over 11, but just a little bit less than Harrison Barnes. You take those guys off the board, not only are you giving their minutes to some of these other players, but you're giving shots. Terrence Davis, the last time Heald was out for any kind of stretch, you saw way more Terrence Davis, who was kind of like Buddy Heald, but with a big kick in the pants on the defensive side. Davis is at uh, one combined defensive stat, 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks right now in 16 minutes a game. Buddy Heald in about double that is at 1.2. Not to say that Terrence Davis would go up to two defensive stats a game if he played starters minutes, but it would be more than Buddy. And everything else would be pretty similar, if maybe even a little bit better of a rebounder. Probably not as many three-pointers. Heald's at three and a half. And Davian Mitchell is the other one, who unfortunately to this point has not shown fantasy game yet. 39% from the field, 65% at the free throw line. The steals are going to be there, but he's actually one of those better on the ball type guys, sort of a Lou Dort, where the steals are not as big as you'd expect for someone who's good defensively. It doesn't It doesn't always play out that way. Rob Covington was very good defensively, and steals and blocks came. You're seeing Herb Jones, Matisse Thibel, these guys where... Yes, it does correspond. Then they're the ones that are just always in front of you, Mitchell, Dort, that type, where the defensive stats are not as large as you'd think. And maybe that comes around, but it doesn't generally come around at, like, the midpoint of a rookie season. Just unusual. Could it? Yes. Will it? Probably not. And, of course, if if the centers get moved, then you're going to have this Damian Jones, Alex Len, mishmash, Nimiasketa, all battling for center minutes. Presumably Tristan Thompson is on the block also. I don't think I would take a plunge, in terms of stashing at least, of any of those guys. If Rashawn Holmes actually gets traded, it seemed like Damian Jones was winning that battle, but he also showed a lack of fantasy game. Not enough blocks. It was mostly rebounds and field goal percent. That's not enough. You kind of need a third thing. At least Alex Len, he gets blocks even if the field goal percent isn't as good. So I don't think that any of those guys hit the mark. Now, there's also this magical universe where only some of these guys get moved and others don't. Like, let's say Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes get traded, Marvin Bagley doesn't. They might not have any choice but to play Bagley 33 minutes a game, at which point all of his shortcomings, and there are many on the fantasy side and reality, but specifically fantasy here, doesn't get that many defensive stats bad in both percentages, he might end up going for like 19 points and 10 rebounds a game, and that might be enough. Am I stashing him? No, because I think he probably gets moved. And if he doesn't, it's because people don't want him. So then why play him a ton at that point when you've got a more promising youngster like Metu, who I think you guys have probably figured out by now, is the answer to this dilemma. The trade deadline is a little under four weeks away. It was four weeks from yesterday. Recording this show on Friday, of course. I know you get to listen all through the weekend. That's a long time to sit on a dude who might not come into value. But again, it is worth pointing out just... And, and I, I also realize that stash spots are very rare given how many players are 
laid up with either an injury or protocols anyway. But if you look at those handful of games for Metu, where he either just played his way into 30-plus minutes or injuries forced him into 30-plus minutes, the lines are pretty good. And we can pick him out. There's like six games all season long where he's been at that threshold. I think exactly six. First one was on November 15th in Detroit. Blowout game. He got garbage time. Went for 16 points, 10 rebounds, 2 steals, a block, and 2 three-pointers. Mmm. Second time was against the Lakers. A blowout loss that time around. He played 36 minutes in that game. Had 14 and 11 with 3 steals. No three-pointers. That's okay. We'll take it. Double-double with 3 defensive stats. December 17th, took him a little while to get to that next one, but this is when everybody started going down for the Kings and became a bit more consistent. 18 points, 11 rebounds, a steal, two blocks, two three-pointers. Woo! The very next game, two days later, against the Spurs, couldn't get the usage going. Only 9.6 rebounds, but four steals. Yep, how to salvage a bad line. 101. The very next night, Back-to-back in Golden State, 16-6, and a steal block, three assists as well in that ballgame. And finally, the last one was the next game. As again, this is when everybody was out for the Kings, and then they started coming back. 11-10 and with a steal, two assists, no three-pointers in that one. I don't think you can count on those uh, at a great clip. We've also seen him do some pretty decent stuff in uh, slightly lower minutes, but that's not what you're banking on. If you're going to sit on a player, you're looking for the big payoff, the big payday. That's that's the hunt. You know, like the last ball game, 14-7-4, two steals, two blocks, two threes. That's great, but you can't count on that. Here's the important thing. Uh, Metu's been floating around for a little bit. I think in my mind, for some reason, I had him, like, as a rook. But he's not ultra young. He'll be 25, actually, in March. So that's maybe one little demerit there. But I think they like him. Remember, he was with the Spurs and barely played uh, two, three years ago. This is his fourth season in the NBA. Surprised the hell out of me, by the way, when I found that out. He's actually been closer to a 50-51% field goal guy the last two years. So the fact that he's down at 42 this season, yeah, he's taking more three-pointers. That's a contributing factor. He's not a bad foul shooter for a big man. He's has the ability to go one steal, one block in starters minutes, which is pretty awesome as well. And to that end... While everybody's out there fighting over who's going to be able to squat on Alperen Sengun, there's a chance that Shemezi Metu slides into a giant role in Sacramento and ends up as the stash guy. And here's the beauty part. He's not rostered anywhere. You can get him in almost any league you want. Not super deep ones. Super deep leagues, he's, he's going to be on a team. Could this completely flop? Yeah. Trading guys is hard. Kings are going to get, want to get some sort of value for their guys coming back. They're not just going to unload dudes for the sake of unloading them because then teams will assume that you can take advantage of the Kings in future years. So there's always that balance to strike. But damn, it sure does feel like someone on the Kings is on the move and possibly more than one. And if those, if if Fox gets moved and Heald gets moved together, you've got to give a long look at Terrence Davis. And then if the big guys get moved, then it's Maytu who we've already talked about. Spent more time on that than I intended. That was like a 14-minute Sacramento Kings interlude. And uh, we'll have to take one more interlude before we dive into the stuff of the week. We'll move through the stuff of the week a little bit faster. Because I thought that the Sacramento thing was kind of interesting, kind of important, and uh, could actually get uh, a little bit overlooked. 
because, you know, who the hell cares about the Kings anyway? It's kind of the prevailing sentiment in the NBA. They could, they could just slip by. And there are these really interesting potential stash guys out there. Everybody loves a stash. I almost never talk about it on this show, but there's something there. You know where else there's something? On the internet. And you know who gets to see it? Hackers. Your ISP. And you know what that something is? It's your personal data and information. Ugh. They're coming for you, man. That's not to say you need to live in fear. Just protect yourself. You got a ring doorbell? Make sure nobody's wandering into your house? That's kind of what this is. ExpressVPN.com slash HoopBall is continuing to run our special for, I believe, last month, this month, and next month. So you have a little bit longer to get it. I pray that baseball gets its act together so uh, the video streaming abilities there will, will come into play. But at least for right now, League Pass, use it how you want to use it. Don't be squeezed by your streaming services. Don't have your information pilfered by hackers and your ISP and sold to the highest bidder. Take care of yourself with expressvpn.com slash hoopball. I know so many of you guys actually were asking me about our partnership with ExpressVPN last year. You were like, you guys still have that deal? You still have the deal? This is your time. Do it now or forever hold your peace because if you don't get stuff from them, then they might not come back and give us another deal. So go get it. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. Again, it's a link. It's not a code. It's a special URL. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. Gets you 15 months for the price of 12. Get three free months on your annual membership. Do it now. Stop goofing around. Protect yourself. And I think personally, at least for me and then you guys, the listeners, who maybe you're not as nervous about the internet, use it for streaming. Ads of the week. Did we do those last last time around? I can't remember what order we did these in. Let me start with the tough holds, actually. We're going to go into the tough holds of a week gone by. Here are your tough holds. Ivica Zubats and Marcus Morris Sr. Tough holds right now because the Clippers are a disaster. But uh, Zubats is still kind of the only center. I know Serge Ibaka is floating around. But for the most part, Zoo has been fine. And Marcus Morris Sr. is the only guy that really deserves to be taking shots on that team. They've been so cold lately as a club offensively that it makes this argument very difficult. But we know, frankly, from Marcus Morris and his time in New York, that when he's the primary offensive option, he's a fantasy-friendly player. Not to say that his stats set is fantastic, but he's very much startable in all formats. So hold on to those guys. LaMarcus Aldridge is a tough hold. I've seen him dropped in a lot of spots. Between the COVID, the injury, the slow return, going back with another injury... He's frustrating a lot of people, and I could almost put him in the Alex Caruso bucket, although there was Caruso news today, so I had to shift him around. He's actually in a buy bucket instead of a tough hold. So I don't think he's getting dropped as easily as, as Aldridge was. I just get the feeling that folks have forgotten what Aldridge was doing when he was healthy. It feels like a really long time ago that he had his last starters minutes level game, and it kind of was... It was like around December 12th. He played 25 minutes in a win at Detroit, 15-5 and with a block. Previous game, 15-3. Three steals, three blocks. Good field goal percent. Hasn't forced the three-pointer as much this year, so the field goal percent is way back up. Good foul shooter. 
Have we forgotten? He was doing it in 24 minutes a game, and then they started giving him bigger minutes, and then his foot got hurt. So maybe the lesson there is probably should have stuck with more like 25, 26 minutes for LaMarcus. But look, he's right around the top 100 on the year in 22 and a half minutes per game. I, I don't know any other way to, to detail why this needs to be why he needs to stay on a team than to say number 95 and 22 and change minutes. If he goes back to getting his starting job, then he jumps right back inside the top 100. Those guys just don't grow on trees. And I think there's fear that Nick Claxton might've jumped him. I really don't think that happened. Claxton's kind of a different beast for Brooklyn. He's the roll guy in a pick and roll instead of a pop guy in a pick and roll. Yeah, they do need to be younger, a bit more athletic. Defensively, Claxton is the superior guy. But even if those dudes end up splitting minutes at center, it's actually end up probably about enough for both of them, but easier path for Aldridge. So hold on LaMarcus, even though it's been a little bit of a bumpy road. Daniel Gafford is a hold while we wait to find out what, what's going on with Thomas Bryant and Montrez Harrell. I don't know that he's going to be a permanent hold, but he's a hold for now because much like Aldridge, he can actually put up fantasy value in not that many minutes, and he can do it even faster. LaMarcus needs about 22. Gafford needs about 18. Alec Burks is a hold right now because Cam Reddish, we got word today, is, quote, not that close to playing. His ankle is still messed up, uh, so we're not going to get our results on the will Reddish be in Tom Thibodeau's good graces situation. So if you have Alec Burks, stick with it. Because as a starter, he's doing far more than enough. His field goal percent has been horrible this year. He's at 39%, uh, and yet he's still a, a, a nine-cat startable guy. He's like number 110 in 27, 28 minutes of ball game. As a starter, he tends to play more than that. Yes, the, the field goal percent is rough. I'm, I can't argue that very salient point. But if he even has a week where shots start to drop a little bit, he rocket boosts into must-start territory. I mean, look at the slump. One for 10, two for 11, five for 10. Wee! Two for nine, his last four ball games. Holy moly, he's 10 for 40 over that stretch. But here's the thing, he's a good foul shooter. He's added three-pointers to his repertoire the last two or three years. He gets steals. That's something he's added over the last few years. That wasn't always the case with him. He's passing almost three assists a game as a starter. And with Reddish, apparently not that close, and who the hell knows with Kemba, Alec Burks, got to keep him around. Tough hold right now because of the slump. Uh, Jalen Green, Alper, and Shengun, we talked about the Rockets a little bit already. I just think that at this point, if you've taken the plunge on Green, you got to give him a, a bit more time to figure things out, especially, again, if the Rockets do sell anybody off at the trade deadline. Three Pistons on the hold list. Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, Kelly Olynyk. Stewart starting to show signs of life. Grant, not that far away. Olenek, not that far away. You might, at this point as well, see what it will be. And arguably the toughest hold on the board right now. By the way, the last time that I got to this point with DeAnthony Melton, who's the next name here, he went out and had three or four much better games in a row. If you want to talk about a slump, if you think Burks is in a slump, how about DeAnthony Melton, who's, believe it or not, shooting the exact same percentage on the year as Alec Burks, 38.8%. The problem, of course, is that Burks is getting starters minutes and Melton is getting yanked around. DeAnthony, not as good of a foul shooter as Burks. 
and his advantages, namely defensive stats, which are crazy for him, you're not going to get him in 15 minutes a game, which is where he's been at lately. I have to hold on Melton because we know that if the field goal percent comes back up to the into the low 40s and if the minutes get into the low 20s, he's a top 100 guy easily. Anything beyond that is just gravy. But damn, that's a hard hold right now. That is a really tough hold because everybody else in Memphis is playing better than him right now. For so long, he was playing better than the other guys, and they still weren't giving him playing time. Now, he's getting outplayed, so of course they're not giving him playing time. It's almost like it's almost like this was the thing that Memphis was hoping for. Like eventually he just won't he'll have a, a rough stretch, and then we can finally phase him out a little bit. I would love it if DeAnthony Melton got traded. That's another reason to sit on him, because if he ends up somewhere else, he's a potential league winner. Tough hold right now, though. Hoo-wee. The toughest. Uh, the don't bother list is everybody else on the Clippers. We talked about Morris and Zubots. Don't bother with the rest of them. And Devontae Graham, who every once in a blue moon pops out a half-decent line, but for the most part doesn't. And every time he pops out a half-decent line, someone's like, hey, should I pick him up? Well, no, he's a streamer. He's a streamer. He's outside the top 130. 12 uh, teamers, that's not enough. Not enough. Even with durability. But if you have him on a, you know, three games in four nights or four games in six nights kind of thing, that fine. Whatever. You can put him in the streamer department if you want, which is where we'll go next. Streamers, Dennis Smith Jr. If Anthony Simons has to miss any more time, uh, for the death of a grandparent, we know Dame's out for a while. Dennis Smith Jr. is a really nice fill-in. And I'm, frankly, kind of uh, feeling a little bit silly that I forgot to check into his availability in some of my leagues yesterday. It was something I intended to do, and uh, then ended up going a little bit late on that. They play Saturday, and I think we probably see Simons miss one more ball game. But I don't know some of that travel stuff, things of that nature. So I think Dennis Smith Jr. actually makes a lot of sense as a fill-in guy. Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Smart is now in protocol. So in addition to the injury, he's likely to miss a couple of ball games there. I like Schroeder more for head-to-head than Roto. I just don't like his Roto game that much. But, you know, when he gets going, he gets going. Cody Martin is a streamer. Meh, not super exciting, but he'll be fine. Chumo Kiki's an interesting streamer. Uh, basically, anytime one of the centers is out for Orlando, he slots into the starting lineup and does quite well. Bamba's questionable. I think Wendell Carter Jr. is questionable. It's possible they both come back, in which case Okiki goes to the bench. And that's why Robin Lopez didn't really make the streamer list, because with him, you need them both out. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a really nice streamer. He almost just makes the ad situation here, but we don't know when Bradley Beal is back. Apparently, he's day-to-day. Because they're trying to get people out of protocols quicker now in the NBA. Maxi Kleba is still stream-worthy, while Christophe Porzingis, who apparently just got leveled by COVID, is still out. And Royce O'Neal was a streamer, by the way, when I wrote this document. And then we got the news that Rudy Gobert is coming back. So probably not a streamer anymore? Although, does Utah play... Do they play tonight? I get my, my calendar squared away. Uh, No. They do not. So, yeah, you can probably scratch Royce off your list here. Sorry, Royce. You were there for a little bit. Drops. Uh, Sixers wings. That situation is ugly. I don't want anything to do with it. Korkmaz, Matisse, Dybul, Danny Green. Not going to deal with it. Jordan Poole. Uh, Was about to be a drop, and then Gary Payton, the second, got hurt. 
So it's possible Poole slides back into the starting lineup, but I just don't see enough usage uh, with Wiggins in front of him and now Clay Thompson as well. That's a big change in Golden State, and, and you've seen it in the short term also. Uh, guys on the watch list, Grayson Allen, who played well for the Bucks, he's back into the starting lineup. I think he might have been playing hurt and then a little bit under the weather. Not to say that he was contagious, but just wasn't quite right. So keep an eye on that. If he gets sort of rolling again, then he was quite good at the beginning of the year when guys were out. I also think some of it has to do with Drew Holiday being missing, so I wouldn't... That's why he's a watch list, because I don't expect it to happen, but just in case. John Conchar is on the just-in-case list. I don't expect it to happen. And the Heat center spot is on my watch list. This is not the just-in-case. This is Dwayne Dedman's back, and Bam Adebayo is supposedly back in about three days. I would think two games from now, they played a night, uh, he won't be back for that one. But, you know, if he misses Monday, then presumably Bam would be back for the next one. So the Heat, the heat center spot has got to get pretty messy for about a half week, and then very clear after that, when Bam and probably Jimmy Butler are both coming back for a Heat team that's still winning. They're 26-15, and 15 and they haven't had their two most important players for most of the year. That's actually unbelievable. They're two games from the top seed in the Eastern Conference, largely without Jimmy Butler and largely without Bam Adebayo. As impressive as some teams have been. The Bulls have been really impressive uh, integrating their new guys super fast. I think the Cavs have been really impressive. They've come back to earth a little bit, but they're still, they still look like a pretty good team. They've had some... The injury stuff has been rough. Ricky Rubio, Colin Sexton out for the year. That's, that's hard to swallow. Wizards being over 500 still, I think is a sort of a feel-good story. I think the Heat being the number two seed without Bam and Jimmy most of the year is... Right up there. Probably number two behind the Grizzlies for most impressive performance compared to my expectations. For the Grizzlies, it's just I didn't think that their roster was going to be able to do this like this. Ragtag bunch of overachievers, really. And with the Heat, I thought they were going to be pretty good, but you know, I thought they were going to have Bam and Jimmy. Anyway, not the point. Heat center spot, about to get solved, but for a couple of days, it's going to be a little bit weird. And finally, the list you've all been waiting for. I, by the way, I don't know if you guys could tell, but I paused the show to go look up Dennis Smith Jr., and uh, he's still available almost everywhere. That would be a really fun stream tomorrow if, if he gets the start. Again, more on the Roto side. You don't want to use a head-to-head move, but it is sort of near the end of the week. And even when Simons was there, Dennis Smith Jr. was getting 17, 18 minutes a game, so it wouldn't be a complete disaster. It would be a near disaster if you used to move on him in head-to-head. And, uh, and then Simons came back. Before I tell you about the ads, I'm going to force you to listen to one more read for our buddies at thrivefantasy.com. I would actually really, uh, would really like to hear from you. A couple of you guys wrote to tell me how it was going. Um, that's, that's the request. I'm not asking you guys rate and review the podcast. If you do, that's great. I'm not asking, uh, I'm not even asking you guys to spend any money right now. Although I'd love it if you signed up for ExpressVPN or MyBookie or get something at Manscaped. What I'm asking is, let me know if you've already tried Thrive Fantasy. And if so, what did you think? Hit me up on Twitter with that. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you're a new listener, welcome. I don't think there are that many new folks in the middle of the season, but I'd love to hear from you guys as well. Again, it's at Dan Bespris on Twitter. And at Thrive Fantasy, if you haven't signed up yet and you're thinking about doing it, 
Use promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, ETHOS, to get 100% deposit match bonus up to 100 bucks. And if you put in $10, you get a pair of $20 contest entry vouchers on top of the $10 deposit match bonus. So put in 10, get another 10, and then get two more 20s that you have to use on a contest, of course, though that particular daily, the $20 entry. So you don't have a choice exactly on how you're using those, but that's still pretty freaking cool to get free entry into two contests. Just win a couple of them. Win one. And you'll end up making a profit. And it's so easy to do. They give you 20 props to pick from. You choose 10 And if you get the most, basically, or you're up there and points scored at the end of the night, you win a share of the cash prize. It's ThriveFantasy.com, the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up with us here at Thrive Fantasy using promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. By the way, I forgot to mention to you guys, this is a Sports Ethos presentation. Go follow the best fantasy news feed on planet Earth, at ethosfantasybk. They've been adding a lot of follows over there. I wonder if it's some of you guys. Ethos Fantasy BK. Breaking news faster than everybody else, including the places that prided themselves on being the fastest. Sports Ethos is now faster a lot of the time. And analysis on top of it. Panda and his crew, man, they are crushing it. Steve, Eric, Adam, I see you guys. And the contributors. I'm going to get a name of all the contributors so I can shout them all out here on the podcast. All right, the ads. Let's do the ads and get you guys into your weekend. A lot of the names on this ad list are retreads, but I just wanted to make sure that none of you guys glazed over on a previous Friday show and didn't do it. Herb Jones, I'm guessing you guys have done that one. Pat Beverly, please say you've done that one. I beg of you on the Pat Bev front. I really do. Um... He's been in a vicious shooting slump, and he's still number 100 on the year. Steals, blocks, rebounds, assists, threes. Pat Beverly can do it all. He's one of my favorite fantasy players because of how weird his stats get. Remember that first year with the Clippers? He got hurt a bunch, so maybe that's not the best example. Remember his last year in Houston? 10 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, 1.5 steals, half a block, 1.5 three-pointers. That was fun. Remember that second year with the Clippers where he didn't get hurt and miss almost the entire season? Even the most recent... uh, Not the... the ugh, talk about these years, the ones that shortened by COVID and so forth. Um, the year that he got hurt with the Clippers when he was at 12, 4, and 3... He's not going to get that high. He's not going to get 11 shots a game. But, boy, that combination. I'll start stop gushing. Until he gets hurt. Much better roto fit than head-to-head. Um, Brandon Clark. This is a retread, but this is only a one-time retread. Pep Beverly only 38% rostered, by the way. That's, that's, a, that's a damn travesty. Brandon Clark, 46% rostered which seems insane because he's been far worse than Pat Bev for most of the season. But he's rolling now. Brandon Clark got 23 minutes on New Year's Eve and kind of hasn't looked back. You could call it the last two weeks, basically. Last two weeks, he's number 58. 14.5 points, 8 boards, 1.5 blocks, 68% shooting from the field. He needs to be rostered and he needs to be started until something 
knocks him off this pedestal. Maybe it's a Dylan Brooks return. I don't know. But I think they're really liking what he's done lately. Lou Dort, he got added, dropped, added, dropped a bunch of times, but he belongs on rosters right now. Uh, Nerlens Noel and the rest of the Knicks front court. I, I, you know, we're back into this thing from early in the year where we kind of want to see how it shakes out. Maybe you don't need to add him. It's possible that your league, he might just hang around on the waiver wire. But again, he's one of those guys where if he gets 20 minutes, he's fantasy usable. He's fantasy startable. And anything over that is delightful. And it's kind of the same thing with Mitchell Robinson and more like 26 minutes or so. And that, to Mitch's credit, he's played better lately. Hope There's a chance they both might be useful. Chris Boucher, uh, Malik Monk, they've been on the, this list for two to three weeks now, but I, you know, maybe somebody, maybe there's a league out there where someone hasn't made the move on it. I, I doubt it. Um, Devin Vassell is, I think, a really interesting one that needs to be on this list. He's, he's kind of a streamer with benefits type. He's back now from protocols. He only played 22 minutes his first game back. But if you look at some of the games... It's been a weird mixed bag for Devin, no question about it. He's been hurt intermittently. He's had those games where he just sort of disappeared. But, like, you look at the game in Detroit, 19-4-4 with three steals and five three-pointers, 15-2-3. The next game, 32 minutes in Boston, 17-6, two blocks. He can get blocks. He can get threes. In 25 minutes a game, he's around number 140. So get him up to full starters minutes. Get him a little bit more usage. And you're talking about a really useful fantasy guy. Uh, so, yeah, fine. Call it streamer with benefits. I think he does play his way into 12-team must-start territory between now and the end of the year. And you don't need a magical trade to free him up. You just need a little bit of sustained health at this point. And then Cam Reddish is the last one. Uh, you know, I'm not hyper-excited about Reddish, and certainly the report that he's not that close with the ankle thing makes me feel like, looking ahead to head league, you probably don't need to be sitting on him. But simple fact is, in Atlanta, he was getting 10 shots up in 23 minutes a game. If he takes that type of attitude to New York, he could end up getting 14 shots a night. And that alone, with the playing time, is worth it. I mean, then you're talking about 16, 17 points a game, two and a half, three pointers, 1.3, 1.4 steals a game. The problem with Reddish is that he doesn't do much besides score, free throws, three-pointers, steals. So if you're not getting a ton of minutes and the rebounds, the assists are low, the blocks are super low, the field goal percent is not very good, you need volume to overcome that. So give him a little more volume in New York, maybe, we don't know, get the free throw number higher. Maybe 2.4 becomes three and a half free throws a game. That becomes a big-time positive. The threes become a positive. The scoring becomes a positive. The steals become a positive. There's a way to turn a lot of kind of league average numbers from his time in Atlanta to positives, and then those start to outweigh the field goal percent negative, the rebound negative, the assist negative, the block negative. Turnovers should be fine. So I'm adding him where I can, with the understanding that, again, with the news of the day, he's probably not playing for a couple of weeks. If he can't hold that, I get it. I got teams where I can't add him, I just happen to have one or two where I can out of, like, 13. <laughs> That's not enough. Oh, this year, man. We, we'll just keep pushing. We're going to find ways to win somehow. Sometimes you just get so unlucky that that's the end of it, but that's not all the time. Find, find a way. 
unless you are so completely buried, like your top three picks are all out for three weeks or more, find a way. That's our philosophy going into the weekend. Reverse chronological lightning round on the other side. Don't worry, I'll be on the Twitters Saturday and Sunday for you guys. Enjoy the basketball over the weekend. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. And a couple days, actually, because, you know, Fantasy NBA Friday, Saturday, Sunday is not a good name for a show. It is, however, a Sports Ethos presentation. Big thank you to Sports Ethos for launching us some five-odd years ago. Remarkable stuff. All right. Sentimental at the end of the podcast. Talk to you Monday, everybody. So long. <laughs>